creating appropriate surroundings to provide comfort and that essential touch of glamour. I built my company, the House of B, and my reputation on it. HOB stands for the eye of Bartolomeo de Crespi and the guts of beauty itself. Truth, color, and dramatic sweep. From slipcover to oven mitt. I don't fool around. My work can't be defined by one period or style. I love them all. Chinese modern, Regency English, French Norman, Prairie Nouveau, Victorian, without the precious, early American, with the precious, all the Louis from one through five, Vuitton, of course, post-war, pre-war, bungalow, foxhole, and even the occasional log cabin. I can go big, and I can do small. My life as a decorator did not begin with the sudden flash of inspiration, but with a problem. I was born without symmetry. This is not my real nose. As soon as I was old enough to pull myself up onto the stool in front of my mother's dressing table to study my face in three-angled mirrors, I realized that something had to be done. From the east, my nose looked like a fin on a Cadillac. From the west, a wedge of pie. And dead on, a frightening set of black caverns, two nostrils so wide and deep you could lose your luggage in them. It had to go. As an Italian-American... I was born into a family of prominent noses. The de Crespi clan was known for their fish. Pop had a dinghy for clamming and crabbing, and a storefront in town to sell its catch, and their profiles. I was raised to be proud of my cultural and nasal heritage, so it wasn't shame that brought me to the surgeon. It was a desire for perfection. My instinct is to create balance. Buildings and faces require good bones. As soon as I could save up enough money, I worked after school and for five summers in the Mandelbaum's bank. I took the bus from Our Lady of Fatima, or Olaf, to the office of Dr. Jonas Berman on East 86th Street in Manhattan. I was 18 years old with a spiral-bound sketch pad under my arm and a checkbook in my pocket. First, I drew a self-portrait in charcoal with my original nose. Then, in a detailed series of drawings, I drew the nose I wanted to achieve from every angle. Dr. Berman flipped through the pad. Amazed at my artistic skill, he cited Leonardo da Vinci's pencil sketches of early flying machines as being substandard to my talent. If I was going to have rhinoplasty, I wanted to make sure I had the nose of my dreams. I didn't want a hatchet job that would leave me with a Hollywood pug. I wanted regal, straight, and classic. In short... Italianate without the size. I got exactly what I wanted. My sister Toot, sounds like the Toot in the song Toot Toot Tootsie, not the toot of a horn, who was 11 years older than me, was the first person to see my new nose when the swelling went down. She was so thrilled at the result, she convinced my father to sell his car so she could have the same surgery. My father, never one to tell a woman no, gave my sister the operation, as my mother came to call it. Never mind that I worked like a farmer to earn my new profile. Toot was gifted hers, but I don't hold a grudge. When Dr. Mavrodontis peeled Toot's bandages off, Mom, Pop, and I were there for the unveiling. Mama clapped her hands together joyfully as Papa got a tear in his eye. Talk about change. Her new nose had a sharp tip with an upturn so steep you could hang a Christmas stocking off of it. Gone was her old nose that looked like an elbow. But was this delicate Ann Miller version an improvement? To be fair, the new nose gave my sister the big dose of self-confidence she needed. Suddenly she believed she was beautiful. 
so she went on a Spartan diet of well-done steak and raw tomatoes, lost a good 30 pounds, tweezed her eyebrows, and straightened her hair by sleeping on a wet set of orange juice cans every night for a year. And shortly thereafter, in the right pair of black clam diggers and a tight Angora sweater, she fell in love with Alonzo Lonnie Falcone, a jeweler at a Knights of Columbus weenie roast in Belmar. Six months later, they had a big church wedding at Our Lady of Fatima, and three sons followed in short order. Her nose may not be perfect, but it was lucky. 817 Corinne Way has been Toots' address for 23 years. After a couple of hard scrabble years in a row house in Bayonne, Lonnie's business took off, so they bought a home in Olaf to be near my folks. When Toot and Lonnie divorced, she got the house, a lovely Georgian with grand Palladian columns anchoring a polished oak entry door trimmed in squares of lead glass. My sister mucked up the exterior design with a countrified porch swing she found at a tag sale in Maine. I tell her that a Georgian with a porch swing is like a hooker in a girdle, but she keeps the swing and I keep my mouth shut. The truth is, I'm a little afraid of her. Toot has always been a second mother to me, and any Italian son will tell you that two Italian mothers in a lifetime is a handful. I'm not complaining because we adore each other. I defer to her on family matters, and she to me on aesthetic ones. Most of the time, after all, she kept the swing. I'm here, I holler cheerfully. Toot's house always smells of anisette and fresh perk coffee, the lovely bouquet of our mother's home. Back here, B, she yells. I make my way down the long hallway papered in Schumacher pale yellow and white paisley print. I decorated the entire house, but my favorite room is her kitchen. I did a real number on it. First, I sent my sister to Las Vegas to visit Cousin Iggy with the asthma for three months. Then I gutted it. I installed a bay window on the back wall to maximize the light and designed a Roman shade of pure white muslin to let in the sun and keep out the nosy neighbors. Underneath, I built a window seat with cushions covered in a practical red twill. The refrigerator side-by-side side and stove gas were purchased in white, but I had them delivered to Chubby's Garage, where they were jet spray-painted a bright, shiny, fiery red. I'm forever thinking of ways to give design that extra kick using unlikely sources. You like my new pants set? It's new. Toot does her version of a model's twirl, which is to point her right foot out in front of the left and hold her arms out waist-high like a milkmaid. The sweater is a disaster, an enormous white pilgrim collar on a cable-knit orange cardigan. She wears brown slacks with a wide bell hem. From this angle, she looks like a piece of candy corn. It's a St. John knit, she gives me an in-the-know wink. Only a saint could come up with such a color combination, I say. Like all Mediterranean girls, my sister is aging well. By soft candlelight or with the help of a dimmer switch, she has the look of a plump Natalie Wood. In broad daylight, she's a dead ringer for our great-grandmother, the pleasantly round Bartolomea Farfanfiglia, whom we never knew, but who stares at us with disgust from a sepia photograph on the television set. I'm going to get my teeth done, my sister announces. Keep in mind it's always something with Toot. Self-improvement is her holy grail. If it isn't going to a doctor to get on Metrical diet shakes or installing an in-ground pool inspired by the Summer Olympics, there's always some project underway that, alas, she never sees through to completion. I've learned to play along. 
Why would you touch your teeth? You have a lovely smile. Only when clenched, in repose, I'm a knockout. Toot looks at her reflection in the oven window. But when I throw my head back and laugh, it looks like I've been eating black jelly beans for a living. So get the caps. Darn right. I'm 51 years old and I've been grinding my teeth all my life. That's how I work off my nervous energy. Toot motions for me to sit down. Then she pries open a large Tupperware cookie saver and carefully lifts iced coconut cookies onto a plate. I've got so much on me, B. She breaks off a bite of a blue frosted cookie and eats it, then hands me a pink one. Soon our blood sugar reaches that comfortable high and we relax into the soft booth like spoons in cake batter. Toot pours hot coffee into two red and white polka dot mugs. The crease between her eyes relaxes as she takes a larger piece of cookie and dunks it into her coffee. I can't count the number of times in my life I have sat at my sister's kitchen table and dunked something sweet in a mug of something hot. The ritual always brings me great comfort. Toot picks up the cookie like the sacred host at Mass and says, After the New Year, I'm giving these up for good. It's April. I need a few months to practice. Toot chews. Good, huh? I give her an okay sign with my fingers so as not to choke on the crumbs. So are you with me on the teeth? Whatever you want to do is fine. It's not just cosmetic, B, though at my age, you look for little avenues of self-improvement even if they lead you to a blind alley of ugly. I wish it were naturalism. Narcissism. Uh-huh, but it's medical. I can't chew. I have to chop my salad so fine it's like soup. What the hell? Maybe I'll lose a couple of pounds. It occurs to me that my sister has grown larger over the years out of necessity. Without a man around, she had to stay the size of her sons to keep order in this crazy home. I did all I could to help.